Everybody, the Remnant Call. I am your host, Brother Frank, and praise the good Lord here with you for another exciting episode. And tonight, I have uh, my favorite guest of all, uh, next to the Lord, which we invite in to be in our show every week. Uh, without him, we this is no show. But the guest tonight is another uh, brother, Frank, and that is my father. And I am excited to have my dad on the show tonight because my father is not only a believer in the Lord, but my father is also a financial expert and understands the times, especially when it comes to the economy and things like that. And dad, uh, I am going to bring in here to really kind of help us to understand what does it mean? There is a coming collapse, folks. It's not if, it's when. And and what does it mean to be a biblical prepper? Uh, and we see the doomsday preppers, the doomsday castle, all those things, all those shows we've seen like that. And, and those people a lot of times get labeled as freaks and, and weirdos. And and I understand sometimes from a, from a biblical theology, we look at these people and we understand the Bible is very, very specific that our silver and our gold and our sustenance is not our deliverance. There is no deliverance outside of our Lord and Savior. Uh, the, the Heavenly Father, if he does not come through, we are toast. But the Bible is also specific that we need to be intelligent um, and we are need to understand the times. And there is a time when we do actually make preparations. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Well, if you didn't catch the last couple episodes, please jump on to the Remnant Call. Uh, there, You can check them in our archives, remnantcall.com, on our YouTube channel, Facebook. Um, we've had you know, some really important episodes. Last week we talked about breaking the curse, and that was some deeper insights into the book of Ruth. And, and you got to take that program. you got to get into the end of the show to really start to begin to see the to see the uh, the insights because we had to build a foundation of what was going on in there. And another one is, is the fruit of death and lost believers. you got to check those out too. And all of the archives we have because it, it, we need to not only be aware of what's going on in the times that we're in, but we need to be aware of our hearts and the condition of our hearts. Because folks, if you are not living in walking in the grace and, and the mercies and the and the holiness of the Lord, then then we're gonna we're coming up against the time when the Bible says that men's hearts will fail them for fear. There it's not failing them always in that particular section for what's actually happening at that moment. Their hearts are failing them because of what is actually coming on the way. And so if you think that your flesh and, and you think that just, you know, going to that, you know, maybe that verse a day or chapter a day or that hidden church once a week and then the rest of the week living without the Lord, that you're going to be prepared for what's coming. I've got news for you. You're not going to be prepared. The Lord is about preparedness. You don't go take an exam in college and not study. Well, you don't get ready for the end times without seeking the Lord. Well, I'm going to get off my high horse right now because I'm going to start preaching if I'm not careful. I'm going to bring my dad in here, and let's get this show under the road. Dad, are you here with us? I sure am, Frank. All right, Dad. Hey, listen, 
Pops. I'm glad you're here. This this is the Frank and Frank show tonight. So praise the Lord uh, for everybody. I am Brother Frank the third. This is Brother Frank Jr. and Brother Frank Sr. passed away a couple of years ago. And um, the good news is, is uh, from what we found out, uh, seems like Frank Sr. even was seeking the Lord right before his death. So I'm looking for that reunion, Amen. Dad, in eternity, right, where we'll all be together. Uh, and hallelujah Amen. for that. Well, Dad, I'm going to ask, could you just open this show up with a word of prayer, and let's get into this program. I sure will. Our Father in heaven, we could be so many places tonight doing so many things. And I know that this world is full of a lot of stuff that can grab our attention. Father, I know know also that you are fully aware of the things that capture our eyes, and yet you are seeking to capture our hearts. Father, I pray that our hearts would be in your hands tonight that the things that we talk about and that the listeners hear, that it would be leading to Jesus in all respects and that it would encourage someone, somehow spark uh, a desire in their heart, Lord, to grow closer to you and more in tuned, not just to the last days of this world, not just to the end times, but to the fact that Jesus is coming back for them. And they're all and all who love him, and that it is a bigger deal than anything we've ever seen. Father, please guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Dad. Thank you so much for that. And it is about the Lord's yeah. return, folks. It, it's about Jesus is truly coming back again. Um, and and I, you know, the Bible, Dad. We've talked about this before. It's very specific. The Lord tells us to watch. And we're to watch always. It's not kind of a, you know, watch and then don't watch. It's a, it's a watch. And so, Dad, I want to talk, dig into a few topics tonight because I feel like many people have understood the warnings. But then, uh, you know, they see some things going on and maybe they, they, may, maybe they get a little uh, fearful of how do I, you know, I don't, maybe I don't have the money or maybe biblical, maybe being prepared. What does that actually mean? I should just read the Bible only, or maybe do I, do I, is it unbiblical to actually have preparations? You know, there's a lot of questions that begin to go around in people's minds. And dad, you know, as much as I do, uh, this day and age we're living in, we really need to understand the answers to these questions. And so dad, I'd first like to start off what is, I mean, what is biblical preparation? Where does somebody start? Okay. Now, I, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to put a little something right in front of that. Okay. In, in 19, the last part of 1998, um, I, my wife and I were, were becoming aware of something, and a lot of people will remember it. Uh, depending on how old you are, will determine whether it was uh, top of mind for you or just something you heard about. But you remember the time that we referred to as Y2K? Yes. You remember that? I, I well, do. Well, we, we heard about this, and if you may remember, our president at the time even got on TV and had formed the President's Council on Y2K. And he was saying, uh, his group of people were saying from the government, uh, this might be a real problem. And so uh, hearing that this might be a real problem caused a lot of people to also think this might be a problem. And so my wife and I and some other friends, we began 
trying to figure out what we could do. We put aside some extra water. We put aside some extra food. We made sure that we had good coats. We had warm socks and good shoes. Made sure that we had backups of a variety of things. We had plenty of candles and some flashlights and this kind of stuff. And we did this because uh, we were concerned about our physical our physical health, our condition. We had, if you had any medicine, you want to have some extra of that put aside, all these kind of things. And so we just did it because it seemed like the thing to do. And we didn't necessarily do it thinking, does the Lord want us to do this? But we just did it. <clears throat> we put it aside. Y2K came and went. Nothing happened. Move on down the road. Then we had the financial crunch that occurred in uh, 2007, 8, 9. And, uh, People were worried a lot then, thought something would happen, didn't like we thought it might, on and on and on. <clears throat> what do you think happens, uh, happened after Y2K when nothing happened? The majority of the people said, hey, a lot of, a, a, a much about nothing. We were worried. We, you know, you don't worry. Just live and everything will work out okay. The more that you hear there's going to be a problem and it doesn't occur, the more uh, the, the more complacent people become. We know that the Bible tells us that, uh, that the Lord doesn't really delay. He'll be here on time. But what happens with people when they hear about it, about the Lord's coming, and he doesn't show up? We become complacent. We become kind of lukewarm. So <clears throat> that rolled on. A lot of my friends who had, had uh, knew that we had done some preparation, they said, ah, that's a waste of time, wasn't it? And I thought about that. I had trouble deciding about that. So I thought about it and thought about it. Over the time, I developed uh, a perspective of mine. But then we come down to the time where we begin to ask the question, so what's the point? Frank, have you ever asked your that, yourself that about something? What's the point? Of course. Now, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And, you know, I asked, uh, I asked a lot of people about this. You know, uh, what do you think we should prepare for? A lot of people have a different opinions. So I, just, I thought to myself, there needs to be a good reason for this. Well, I know that if the power, electric power goes off, I don't want to be without power and something to warm my house, way to cook my food and so on and so forth. But then I go back to the Bible. And I remember how uh, Elijah was fed. I remember how the Lord provides for people, uh, how he meets their needs, all their real needs. And you begin to ask yourself, who am I? And why am I doing what I do? And do I need to, like you said at the opening, Frank, uh, do I need to just trust God and forget about it? Don't worry about anything. Uh, do you have any friends that have that position, Frank? I absolutely do, Dad. What do you think about that? How does it impact you when they say that? Well, it, it, most of the people that I know like that, they're very flippant about it uh, when I talk about these type <laughs> right. of things. They're very flippant, and they're not really they're, – they're they act like they kind of somewhat care about the times, but there's not really a, a, um, a real – awakening, I should say. I don't know how to phrase it right, but there's not really uh, a seriousness about it. And so whenever I mention that to many of them, 
Uh, now there's a few that aren't, but they're very, you know, they're just, they want to blow it off and, and almost act like, you know, you have a lack of faith to even bring it up. Yes, exactly. And so what happens is you get into a position where you begin to second guess yourself. Okay. And you begin to ask yourself, why did I do what I did? Or why, or should I even do anything? If you don't answer that question, it's very probable that you will fall into the category of what a lot of people do is that it's, it's almost like human nature. If you don't know the answer to something, you don't know what to do about it. What's the best thing to do? Ignore it. Set it aside. Move on with the things you do know about and, uh, and you'll be okay. But if you do that, you're running a terrible risk, a terrible risk. Because the Lord tells us throughout Scripture, and I don't need to go to any particular Scripture, because probably most people listening to us right now know that the Bible says there comes a time when our Savior, our Lord, the Son of God, returns to this earth, redeemed to pick up those people who desire to follow him, who have chosen to be faithful to him in all ways that they know. And so it says that you run a great risk if you just start to just say, oh, I'm not going to worry about stuff, that this not worrying about putting enough aside enough cans of beans or tuna fish, that's going to spill over into the spiritual side of what the Lord says in Scripture. Before he returns, it will be worse than it's ever been before. And I know I'm paraphrasing because I wanted to glean the general idea. Scripture's full of it. It's going to get really bad. It's going to be desperate. It's going to be critically scary. You remember the Bible says that there'll come a time in the last days where men's hearts will fail them just out of fear of what they see coming on the earth. It's because they're seeing it with their own eyes. They've never seen it before, and it has scared the snot out. And some of them, their hearts are going to fail them because of the fear. So with that in mind, that's a pretty serious thing, a lot more serious than what I was thinking about when we first started doing some light prepping, I would say, back in 99. So I came back to that question, what do I do? What do I do? Does the Lord give guidance on this? So I went to Scripture. We can't read all the scriptures tonight, but I'd like to share a couple of them with you. And the um, <clears throat> this first one, and anything that any scripture that I give, you've got to remember that you need to read it prayerfully. Read it for yourself. Don't ever take the word of another man for anything. When it comes to what God says in His Word, you go read it yourself. It won't even mean as much. It won't mean that much to you unless you go read it yourself. Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve: A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. Now, I can't fully interpret what the hides himself means, but I can certainly, uh, uh, you know, uh, edu- with education, speculate on what he's saying. In other words. Hide yourself from the evil. Avoid the evil. Try and get past it. Uh, Another one in Ezekiel 33, verses 1 to 9, and I'm summarizing now. The Lord, it says in the scripture there that when I bring the sword upon the land, I'll read for a moment instead of summarize, and the people of the land 
take a man from their territory, somebody amongst them, and make him their watchman. And when he sees the sword coming on the land, you know, danger, if he blows the trumpet and he warns the people, then anybody that hears that trumpet and hears this warning, if the sword does come to that person and takes him away because he didn't heed the warning, he heard it, but he didn't do anything about it, then his blood will be on his own head. Nobody's responsible. He was warned. It's on his head. But if he heard the trumpet and did not take, if the watchman heard the trumpet and did not take warning and warned the people, you see, he didn't tell people about it, then if something happens to them, their blood's on his head. Now, why would the Lord say to watch? Why is there a watchman looking out for problems, for evil? Why is he to warn the people if they aren't supposed to do something? It, it obviously is important to do something. But I would like to say right now, I believe it's important what you do. What you do. Um, let me use the example of Jericho. And when the Lord sent his people to walk around Jericho and eventually blow the trumpet, and the walls came down, and almost everybody's heard that story to some degree in some fashion or another. And he sent them in there. What was, what was one of the main lessons of that story? It was, you don't have to do the battle. You just need to obedient, be there as my, my person in the way that I ask you to. I'll take care of the battle. And the Lord brought the walls down when they blew the trumpet, because that's what he told them he was going to do. And, and so that tells us that the battles ahead, and I'm, I know that sounds like I'm extrapolating, but if we had time to go into lots more texts, we could make it real clear, much clearer. What the Lord's telling us is that, hey, what's coming? Uh, if you throw your trust in me, uh, I'm, I can take care of the situation. I'm there. I like the saying that says, uh, don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, uh, God's already there. He's got it under control. <laughs> and so what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that, is that if you decide to prepare, it talks about a watchman, talks about hiding yourself from evil, obviously paying attention. If you decide to prepare, go to God if you feel so. And I would encourage you first say, Lord, I sense that preparation is significant. I'm not, I, I'm not sure what to do. If you would show me what to do and lead me and, and inspire me which way I should go, I want to do that. Because I have, don't really know, and you might be able to say to him, and Lord, I felt really confused about this too, if that's the way you feel. See, do you see what, you see what I'm saying, Frank, is that it's not that preparation shouldn't be done, but the Lord is supposed to be the strong arm for us. Our arms are supposed to be strong because we hold on to his not because we go to battle ourselves. And I'm not saying you never defend your family. But what I'm trying to say is if you go for the preparation without seeking the Lord's wisdom and guidance, then you are abandoning, you are leaving behind his wisdom and just depending on your own. And I think that can be pretty shaky. Well, I agree, Dad. Um, right now, you know, there's, if you if you had a minute, to, you know, you had that a, a moment to, you know, tell where where do you actually? I mean, where do you start right now? 
I mean, what what is the we see that that there's we're living in some precarious times, and the and the worst thing is is to I I feel the worst thing is to is to always start late, and and, and to not take advantage of the time that you have. And Dad, okay. I what the scripture that you're reading right here is extremely important mm-hmm. um, because it does talk about if you don't when the when he was born in Ezekiel with the of the the sword that was coming that you were to actually take heed to it to do something to get out of the way, not just to sit yeah. around and and you know it's kind of like the guy's trapped on the roof and saying well. Lord, I need you to deliver me. And, you know, and the guy comes over, you know, in a, in a boat and he says, no, the Lord's going to save me. And then, you know, a guy comes over in a kayak and, and he says, hey, man, hop in here. I can paddle us both over. He said, no, the Lord's going to save me. And then a helicopter comes over, you know, and drops down a ladder. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm sorry. The Lord's going to save me. He <laughs> dies, you know, gets into heaven. And, and he says, Lord, I thought you're going to save me. So I sent you a boat, a kayak, a helicopter. And, and yeah, so, exactly. I feel that sometimes that's the that is people's um, reaction. So I, right now, um, Dad, you know what? Where do you start in this whole biblical preparation? Okay. I know we got a lot of things we want to get into, so we can, you know, because we got a, another section of this program now where we want to really look at what's going on right now in the world. But where do I start as a believer? It says, okay, you got me. I understand. I need to do something. What do I do? Okay, I'd like to address that directly, and that's, I'm glad, so glad you, you brought that up. Um, I would like to encourage everyone, if you feel called to dig deeper in Scripture, begin doing something that can really make a difference in your, in your perspective and in, in, in the depth of your understanding of Scripture. Begin to read situations in Scripture and take your name and decide where in the story you would put your name for the story to be speaking to you. Let me use this one, thief on the cross. Uh, I can't tell you exactly how, exactly how long Jesus hung on the cross with him. I know you probably could. But first of all, lesson number one, with God, it's never too late while there is breath. In generalities, never too late Amen. while there is breath. The thief on the cross exercised his God-given right to choose Jesus as his Lord and Savior. But he had not been on the cross very long with him. He was only up there for, we'll say, a matter of hours, right? Yes. Am I correct? Yes. He was up there for a matter of hours. So it's never too late while you have breath and while the Lord is still in the business of saving and hasn't wrapped up this world yet. Secondly, the antithesis of never being too late, how long did he hang on the cross with Jesus? Less than a day, right? So it may never be too late. It may never be too late, but when you see the opportunity, you you may only have a short time. You may only have a little breath left. You see what I'm saying? Never too late, but when you see the need, respond, because you may not have long to make the decision then. So it's always important to us. You remember the old saying that, you know, I may live a long life, but the next thing I know after I go to sleep is I'll wake up and I will see Jesus. Well, I tell you what, it's a wonderful opportunity. We never know when that car is going to hit us, when that plane that we're riding on falls from the sky. So it's, it's, it's important to do that now. Once you decide it's important, I encourage you, go to the Lord, 
and pray. Then use your common sense. It's a really great thing that God gives us common sense. And some of us may not seem like we have a lot, but when we prayerfully seek him, we get more common sense, to some degree anyway. And then start to think. Now, I teach a course on preparedness. It's a two-hour course. And in two hours, I cover an amazing amount of stuff, but I give a very detailed handout for people to have to sort of help them chart their course. And by the way, I will forward this to you, Frank, and any of your listeners, any of them who want it are welcome to it. Okay, no cost to this at all. I never charge on this course because it's part of it's part of my outrage, my purpose, my service. So anyway, in preparing, think like this. Start like this. What's the thing I can live without the least? Air. After that, water. Next, believe it or not, it's not food. Warmth in cold environments. If I can't stay warm, I can't last very long. In fact, warmth could come in front of water, you know, because the, the order in, the, in which things may happen. So it's right up there, warmth. But water, food, then we have shelter, and then we have other things. We have safety. We have a variety of other things. So you simply go to the basics first. We need some water. So, honey, let's go down to the store and let's get some of those six-gallon jugs. They have real nice ones at Walmart. They're very expensive. They're gray color. And, and we, we, we put some water and we store it. Uh, and uh, eight drops per gallon of plain unscented Clorox. Seal it up, and it'll last for years. I've got some that's been in the building over 20 years. You open the lid, it's as fresh as it was the day I put it in there. True, got it, experienced it. You, know, you put aside some food, some extra cans of food, these kind of things, so you begin this. But I encourage you all along the way, be praying daily, Lord, am I doing the right thing or am I not? I promise you, you may not hear his voice in your ear, but I promise you, if you are submitting to him, you're going to be doing what he wants you to do. Now, you may make a couple of mistakes here and there, because we learn from our mistakes, but they're probably not going to be big ones. And he will temper your feelings and your perspectives. So that's what you do. You begin to think about the basics. Uh, and I might as well say it. Some people think, well, should you buy a gun? We have a whole talk on that, but there's no time tonight about that. I'm not going to say you shouldn't. I'm not going to say you should. But I want to say one thing to you. So the next time somebody brings it up to you, it might be in your mind. Everybody who knows how to use it without hurting people should have at least a varmint gun. If you go to the history of countries who have been through terrible situations, droughts, famines, falling, uh, uh, collapse of the of society, one of the things that people do when they can't feed their animals, particularly dogs, they turn them out. Then they start to pack and they become dangerous to your children and to you. You need to have the ability to control that situation. That's, for me, one of the primary reasons that I have Wormit Gun. Anyway, pray and proceed with your best judgment. That's where I would say you start. Amen. So first, folks, like we said, it's spiritual preparation above everything. That That goes with... Without even saying, if that's not your number one, if that's not where you begin, but taking it a step farther, as dad was saying, uh, and folks, I want you to think about it from this perspective. A lot of times our preparation is not that we're going to survive until Jesus comes, okay? 
We're not going to make it through the tribulation entire on our provisions. A lot of times survival is so we got enough time to breathe and regroup to leave. And that is also a big yes. thing that we need to do is thinking about, folks, this, this planet, it, this place is not our home. This, this earth is not our home, not until it's the earth made new. The thing is, is that we need to understand that you're that digging that, you know, underground bunker that you're going to survive through with everything that's going on. Folks, that's the wrong type. But we do, it is smart to have preparations to be able to catch your breath, to be able to regroup and ask and allow the Lord to begin to lead you because he might just lead you right out of this place. And he might tell you to go before it even happens. But simple preparations, this is not unbiblical. Just go read FEMA says that we should prepare. And and they're not even believers. And and yeah, so there's not right. there's this, that's just common sense to begin to prepare to be ready to to have special and, and dad I don't think anything you've said today requires you to have a lot of money how much is a water no. I mean it's cheap how much is Clorox I've it's a, hardly anything I've estimated before uh, I'll just quickly say this uh, but I invite anybody who's interested to send you a request for my outline. Uh, I'll, in fact, I'll send you uh, about eight or ten pages of things that could be very helpful to you. And, um, but everybody ought to have a good warm coat. You don't have to have anything more than a loincloth in the summer, but in the winter you need a warm coat. But if you don't have a sleeping bag, even in the summer, a warm coat will do a lot of times. So a warm coat is really, it's really worth a lot. And if you don't have one, go over to, uh, uh, go over to Goodwill. Go over to Salvation Army and get you a good one promise you they've probably got one that'll fit you and if they don't the other store like that in town they'll have one have you a pair of good shoes because most of us do not have toughened feet uh like the third world countries you've been to frank uh, most of us don't have toughened feet to walk much barefoot uh, so i say get you a good pair of shoes and you need to have some socks to go in there go to goodwill go to salvation army if you don't have the money for it and then once you do this kind of stuff uh and, and, and a hat and some gloves because winter time. I mean, this winter has been brutal. Or you know, I live in North Carolina, and it is. It, it, we've had with wind chill, you know, as much as minus ten degrees. I mean, we don't get a lot of that, but it happens, and things, weather patterns are changing. So you do that, then you go out and put put aside some water. Go to the store and and get some extra. Some cans of beans, bags of rice. You know, live a long time on beans and rice. Complete protein. I'm not telling you don't eat meat. It's just that you can store this so well. A lot better than you can store meats. And then uh, uh, get you some, some greens, some yellows. Get them in a can if nowhere else. And if you can, if you have a place, it would be good if you could grow a garden when you need to. And maybe you do one now, and that's wonderful. But do some of these things. I have estimated before that if you go, if you don't have much money for a family of four, you can put aside with $200 enough to sustain you for several weeks. You'll do that with dried beans, dry uncooked rice. You'll do that, do that with, uh, with a few cans of some green beans or with some, something else that you like, but for a couple hundred dollars, you can actually, because you can get your clothing free. Almost anybody, if you don't have money, can get it at one of the one of the uh, 
the stores that provides them very inexpensively. See what I mean? You can do it without. I, I agree. Dad, there's 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 the there's the factor that people aren't thinking about many times, Dad, and that's the shock of when a disaster happens. There's an initial shock that everybody's going to go through. There is, you know, whether it's a, a nuclear strike, whether it's a financial collapse, whether it's, you know, a, a tsunami, whether whatever it might, there's going to be a shock of this initial thing in surviving, folks. That shock, you know, the Lord is your deliverer, okay? I'm, I'm just, let me be specific in this again. The Bible says that they will cast their silver in the streets, okay? Your silver, your gold, it will not deliver you. But being prepared okay. to survive that shock by God, to regroup, to say, okay, folks, let's get, let's, let's, let's calm down. Let, let's get into prayer. Let's, be, let's seek the Lord, okay? We, we gotta, we've got mm-hmm. some water, okay? Everything, calm, bring a calming spirit down. Into the house, yes, and into the environment. Me, in order to survive that, go ahead, Dad. I think the next step that we should take is to make this point: if if you are thinking, if you desire to think of things from a godly, uh, spiritual perspective, then you probably are already totally aware that faith and trust are extremely important. So I would like to, to, to propose this thought to you. Um, if you go and spend money on stuff with money you don't really have, say you run your credit card up and you don't have the money, I personally believe that is a lack of faith because I believe that the Lord will provide for everyone according to their need. Now, I'm not saying he just hands it out to stand in line, don't do anything. But to go spend money that you don't really have, to go in debt for this, I personally believe that it's a, that it's a lack of faith. Now, that's, that's my belief. The word doesn't say that that I'm aware of, although I have looked for it. Now, I haven't, I, it may still be there, and I haven't found it, but so far. Well, so it's specific say, about going into debt, though, so I guess you could apply yes, that, you know. When... You could. You could. It speaks against debt. But I'm just saying... You know, I encourage you to proceed in faith, and that is to trust the Lord, but proceed. Because he says, if you see evil coming, you should hide yourself. And if you don't, you're probably going to have hard times. I agree. So anyway, Dad, I'll, I'll go ahead. I want to take this into a, a slight shift a little bit here. But before I go into there, mm-hmm. into kind of some of the politics and things that are going on right now, Dad, I, I want to emphasize this, and I know that you are huge. You taught me this. I believe this. I live by this. And that is, folks, let me, let, let's just say this right now. If you are preparing, if you are putting away provisions, if you're spending money and you are not giving back the Lord what is his, when it comes to yeah. tithes and offerings, okay, then you are fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself, and you're trusting in your own arm of the flesh. Because, folks, let me say this so specifically. You need to pay your tithe. I don't, I'm not telling you what church. Or to, just pray about it and have the Lord lead you. But God, that belongs to God. And in offerings also above that uh, belong to the Lord. And, and when we stop... You know, it's, it's amazing, Dad. The one place that God says you're allowed to test him in 
-hmm. is proven. He said, prove it. He says, if you will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that we can't handle, when we pay, bring these tithes into the storehouse, when we do what God says to do, and, and Dad, you, from a financial expert, Dad, that you are, this is what you do for a living, Dad, have you ever found a family that no matter how bad a situation in, that you could not show them how they could pay their tithe? Everybody can. I have a very simple thing. Let's talk about it for just a moment. And if you pray about this and ask the Lord to guide you, then I, I promise you he will. Now, he may allow some hard times to happen because most human beings really only learn in adversity. <laughs> because when things are easy and there's no problems, we go into neutral. We just go into play mode or have fun or relax mode. We go into vacation. But we learn during the hard times. So anyway, um, he will always provide it. This is the program that I, I share with people. Okay? It's very simple. It's very straightforward. You remember the Bible says that we are returned, we are return, to return to him uh, from our first fruits. Now, the fruits are, are the result of our labors, basically. If you go back to an agrarian society, your labor produces fruits. And in that sort of a society, in that sort of a society, into, and today, my belief is that what that means is that I have all that I put into the project. I plant, I fertilize, I water, it grows, and I harvest. And so, after I've paid my expenses to doing the project, then I have what's called my profits. And I believe that he's saying, "Your first, in other words, pay it, pay." Uh, your gain, pay your uh, out of your profits that you've made because your expenses to do the project, those costs, they aren't yours. You have to pay the man at the feed store. That's his money, not yours. You have to pay the man where you got the fertilizer. You have to pay the water company for giving you water. That's their money, not yours. But your first fruits are your profits from your labors after you paid the expenses to the people that they owe that money. That makes sense? Yeah. And, and folks, listen, okay. I know a lot of – go ahead, go ahead, Ted. All right, let me finish this, this particular thought. So, and I know there are people that pay tithe on a gross income. And I, I don't say they're wrong. I say hallelujah, hallelujah. Because the Lord doesn't need our money, but he desires our faithfulness. Okay. Amen. So this is my program for, for tithing. If you've never tithed or you've thought that you couldn't afford to tithe, do it this way. I, I would encourage you to try it. And try it for a period of time. Let the Lord prove himself. Number one, you get, when you get a paycheck, most employees, they're going to withhold taxes. Because the taxes aren't yours to pay. The taxes belong to the tax man. So after you get your paycheck, pay the bills that you owe to people. Next, pay your tithe. Next, set aside monies for savings. Not, not a lot, but I'm saying to a degree that you've got some money to respond, and, and it's really not necessarily to cover your wants or desires, but you, the Lord may send someone your way that you can help, that you can help to lift their burden with them with that money, and it, you got it there for whatever the Lord wants you to do with it. And then after you have that, pursue your other things that you have an eye on. Pay your bills that you owe to others. Pay your tithe. Pay, uh, put some money aside, 
then go buy your groceries and pay your other bills and pay for the furniture and pay your rent and these kind of things. A lot of people say, well, the rent would be that first bill. A lot of people say, well, you know, I won't have anything left. Oh, my goodness. Tell you, I've had many people try that. I've never, buy, had, I've never had anybody say it doesn't work. Not yet. Amen. But you, you take it to God. You seek his guidance and you follow however he leads you. Amen. You know, folks, we talk about prayer and fasting, and, and, and many of us believe that fasting, it's not an option. The Lord says well, there will come a time when the bridegroom is taken away and then they shall fast. It's something we do. And, we, and many believe that. They listen to this program. We say yes to that. But then we hold back our offerings and our tithes from God. And I'm trying to say, tell you that don't do that. I'm telling you for your own good, do not hold back what belongs to God. If you don't, if you don't go to a church or you, whatever, then find somebody that you trust, a ministry that you believe in. Find somebody who's doing the work of the kingdom. The the, the tithe is to support the priests, the the ministers, and in, in, in the New Testament, we're all called to be that. But find somebody who's doing that and then support that. Give back what belongs to God. You know, the, the, many times those who are out there on the front lines, those that are doing the work, it, it's the support from the saints that keeps them going. And so, folks, find, pray to God who to send that to. But don't, you're robbing yourself of a blessing and you're robbing God. And that's exactly what he says. It's in, you know, it's in Malachi. You're robbing God mm-hmm. of what is his. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not that he yet- needs it. But he, he wants us to be faithful. And so, Dad, I appreciate that. But I want to move on, Dad, because we're getting into the program here. We've got about 17 and a half minutes left. Dad, we see today that the world, obviously, you know, it's funny how fast things change. You know, one moment we're under the threat of North Korea. You know, one moment then we're under the threat of Russian attack. Another moment we're under this. And then all of a sudden the economy is doing better, people see, and then they forget about it. And, and it's like this huge slinky effect and people are all over the place, Dad. And, and there's no stability in, in belief and, and, and in our walk with God because society seems to be dictating. Now, I believe we are on the verge of some something that's bad is coming, Dad. And, and I know you know that. Mm-hmm. I know that. It, it's, it's not if, it's just when. And it's coming very, very soon. But Dad, how is the world and the politics what does it affect? How is it affecting us today? Well, this is such a big subject. I actually have to really think hard where to start. No matter what I was thinking before we came on the air, I have to we think where to minutes. start. Because, <laughs> thank you. 16 and a half. So, yeah. you know, let me take a breath and say this. We walk out of our door, which is also represented by turning on the television okay we physically walk out the door we mentally walk out through our television or our radio but we walk out into the world and i was going to ask you and have a little dialogue with you but we don't have time let me just say satan has an objective that objective in my words okay um, is to put a fence an electric fence between you and God to create the situation where to you going to God is distasteful. 
So, a lot of questions come up. Why is this world the way that it is? Why do we have so much poverty? Why do we have child hunger? Why are so many people dying in wars? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why did that tsunami tsunami kill over 200,000 people? Why did that earth, why does God allow this stuff? We could go into all of that and the whys, but here's what I want to say. This stuff is happening. And if, I promise you, if you go to the scriptures and you prayerfully read and study, you'll begin to gain a perspective on the why. But we, what we see going on around us affects us. It might not initially affect your theology, your, your thoughts and your beliefs about God. Okay. But you see the economy and you, you, you say, well, the Lord will provide for me. But then you see what everybody is doing. Remember, the crowd mentality seems to, in some significant way, have affected the fact that they did crucify Jesus, the crowd mentality. People tend to follow what other people are doing. And Satan finds that to be a very, very excellent tool to have people follow each other. Because if he can get someone out front who's leading away from God, and the majority of people follow him, he's... He's having a heyday. So we see what's going on in the world politics. We see so many lawmakers. We see so many people uh, who are celebrities being taken down for sexual perversions. And if you're like me, you read a couple or three, you don't read anymore because it only gets worse. And it's, it's filthy compared to what your mom and dad taught you to think. For the most, some of us had parents who weren't really that moral, but I'm just saying in general the way parents teach their kids, it's so far on the other side. But it's we see that happening, and then we watch the television, and we see the say the the national debt clock. Have you ever have you ever seen that, Frank? Yeah, I have. Click. It's, yes. It's, okay, and it's telling you every second how much debt we're adding on. Now, I want to quickly say, if you've never thought about what a trillion dollars is, follow me for a moment. Question is, if you could spend a million dollars a day, 365, 365 days a year, a million dollars a day, how long would it take you to spend a trillion? You know, a million dollars is a lot. If you could spend a million every day, you could get some work done, serious work. Millions a lot if you could spend it every day. It would take you about 700 years before Christ was born, 2,740 years to spend a trillion. So that's a lot of money. And our debt's only about 20 trillion right now, at least the published debt. How much is that? That is so much money that the, the, the average human being cannot think in trillions. It doesn't work. We think in tens and hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands, because our, our houses are so expensive now. You know, but we don't think in trillions. That's not in our perspective. But when you back off and you see $20 trillion of debt, then you calculate at the interest that we have to pay on that debt, and then you look at how much the net income of the nation is, what happens is you get to a point where you say, we can't pay that. Even if we took all the money that comes in in taxes, it's not enough to pay the debt. Now, the point is we're in a position where we don't, we don't uh, 
we can, it's not sustainable by standard accounting uh, measures. But, but because of a number of the things that go on in the banking industry and the fractional reserve banking and how people talk about printing money, but how you can actually create money in a sense, this paper money, if you do it in the right way, they have learned how to do it almost endlessly. What it means is not that it's going to fall down today or tomorrow or next month or next year. It doesn't really mean that anymore. What it means is that when it falls, when it falls, see what I'm saying? It's going to be unbelievable. Remember the Lord said there come a day when men's hearts will fail them for fear of what they see coming? I don't know that he's necessarily talking about a financial situation, but the financial situation itself is a big enough one to scare a lot of people. Remember, uh, in the stock market crash in 1929, you know, we have record of a lot of people jumping to their death, or at least the stories we heard were really played up a lot, but they did happen to a significant degree. So those kind of things we see, and yet, what do we see with our current president? What do we see with the current state of political affairs? We see what everybody says is a blossoming economy and things are going well they're feeling good right now if you talk about you know if you talk about a a crash in in the economy people say huh things are going good what are you talking about a lot of people are coming out and saying we're going to have another at least three but maybe seven more years of boom and now this is not investment advice i think there's a good chance we will have seven more years but I do feel the Lord is coming soon. But there's another scripture that says this. It says, they shall cry. Repeat it for me, Frank. Peace. And safety. And safety. And And then? And then then, sudden destruction. Amen. Yes. So there's a a time coming where the perspective of people um, is... Very, very positive. All right, we're doing well. We've got it under control. President Trump's got it. We're just going to, the sky is the limit. But scriptures say, and I don't know when this is, there comes a day they will cry, peace, ah, safety, and then comes sudden destruction. He said it, not me. So what I want to say is that godly perspective keeps you safe. Remember, Satan's objective is to make God distasteful. Godly perspective says, hey, the Lord said this, I believe it. This other stuff, it's what's happening today, but I'm going to watch for the Lord's predictions. No. Prophecies, yes. The Lord's explanation to me that there comes a day I'm going to watch for that I'm going to watch for that you see like I said what you see going around you might not change your theology theology initially but it can change your doctrines because remember theology is your belief or your study of God but doctrine is just a set of beliefs about about anything what's your doctrine about how they should handle children who get out of line What's your doctrine about how they should handle building homes? Should they build it? So it can change your doctrine. 
and then the doctrinal change can start to spill over into your theology. I find one of the ways that that frequently happens is that people around us in the society, they begin to mock us. You remember when, when Moses was standing, I know you weren't there, neither was I. He was standing out in front of the ark and he was preaching. And there was a lot of people that, you mean Noah, Dad? Noah, Noah, Noah. What did I say? Noah, Dad. You said Moses. Who did I say? Moses. <laughs> made a mistake there. I meant Noah. Um, Noah was standing in front of the ark. A lot of people mocking him, making fun of him. And, and yet, his, it does not appear that his theology was damaged, but I don't think that his, that his doctrines of life in the future were really changed either because he, he was faithful to the calling of the Lord and he pushed ahead in faith. And as you, as you know, the story went, the time comes that what the Lord said came to pass. So my, my point is we can be swayed. After Y2K, a lot of people threw up their hands and said, don't worry, it'll always come back. They, one of the things of the stock market is stay in it for the long haul. Over time, it always goes up. And I could give you a lot of arguments for that because I've seen people who needed to retire when the market was way down and it devastated their finances. But the Lord said there comes a day that it's going to be overwhelming, and it is. So I would say that this prayerful approach to preparation – whether it's physical or spiritual preparation, praying about it, praying about what you see in politics. If, it, if good things are happening in the country and in the government, good. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Always support good. Pray about the economy, that you will, not be, that, that you will see what the Lord wants you to see, that you might even be a watchman for someone else. Pray for a good perspective so that you will have the perspective of Noah. Did I say, I don't want to say Moses again. <laughs> that you will have the perspective of Noah. People may mock me. They may call me names. They may ridicule me. They may want to hurt me. Because, you know, one of the things people do whenever they are unwilling to accept something is they pick on people who do so that they, I don't know. I don't know why all the time. So, prayerfully consider, ask the Lord to guide your perspective. Ask him to, to protect you from the disruption of people trying to lead you in, in another direction. Does that make sense? It does. And, Dad, I, I feel that one of the things people need to understand, and, and you know, Dad, I'm working in a field, you know, in IT and, and uh, running a company, and I see mm -hmm. the booming of the economy. And folks, right now, people are spending like crazy upgrading networks. And, and everything from a financial point standpoint seems to be, you know, hey, good times are ahead. The problem that, yes. folks, we have to often remember is that the things that are offensive to God have not changed, yet they actually they continue to get worse. And, and I'll give you an example. Our abortion rates our you know open homosexuality and marriage and and uh, the the uh, unbelievable uh, infection of pornography 
uh, now the resurgence of bestiality, uh, cannibalism, uh, things that are just abominable in the Lord's sight are reigning, un, they're, they're, they're out of control. And there's mm-hmm. no stop to that going on. No matter of fact, when you try to stand up against it, uh, you lose your whole business just because you wanted to make a cake right. and have a cake company, but you didn't want to support a particular lifestyle. You end up losing what you believed was right. And folks, those are the things that are not changing. We have to remember that even though it seems like at times the economy is going good, when those things that are offensive and bringing up a stink, and you cannot continue to kill babies well, before the Lord is right. eventually going to put an end to that mm-hmm. and, and call That's it right. good. You know, the, the right. Bible, you know, and, and people get so upset about abortion and all that stuff. It's real simple. The Old Testament, it said if you struck a woman, and you caused her fruit to depart from her, meaning she lost her baby, and it was not an accident. The Bible is very specific. It says life for life. It doesn't say how far along she's pregnant. It just says if she's pregnant and she miscarriages because you have hit her and it was intentional, your life for that child's life. And when those things go unhindered or un, unstopped and they just continue to go on, folks, don't let this booming economy Fool our discernment of the true yes. state of reality of what's going on. And that, even above everything, in the economy, whatever, there's always that X factor, and that's the attack on the United States. And in one moment. Frank? Yeah. I w- could I take another two minutes? Yes. Go ahead, Dad. Okay. I would like to say something to you, and I'm, in my mind, I'm trying to gather my thoughts here momentarily so I can get through it quickly. I've oftentimes had people say to me, I wish the Lord would just tell me what he wants, what he wants for me. I wish I knew what his desire was for my life. Let me ask you a question. How many of you who are listening tonight have ever known somebody who, when you're around them, they talk all the time and you can hardly get a word in edgewise? As you know, that can be very frustrating, particularly if you have something that might be worthwhile to say. Of course, most of us feel that what we have to say is important, and I get that. I feel the same way, kind of. But when you're around somebody who who does all the talking and you can't get a word in, it's called a one-way conversation. People a lot of times say, I wish the Lord would just tell me. And I make this, I tell them that little brief concept that I just told you. The way that we usually talk to God is through prayer. In most instances, the way that he talks to us is through his word. He wrote it. He wrote it, he had it written by his people in such a manner that it is for all mankind at all times. And that's more than unique. And so if you only pray and you do not open the word and let God speak to you, because that is the message he sent to you to just tell you what he desires. But if you only pray, You are conducting a one-way conversation, and he doesn't get to talk. Now, if you think about that, the God of heaven, your Lord and Savior that you claim, if you do not give him a chance to speak, oh, how much of a mistake is that? I would encourage you that a lot of times people don't know what to do, and they don't seem to find an answer coming. It's because many times, not always, they are conducting a one-way conversation. They have picked up 
as you might say, the little whip in the hand of the ringmaster, and they've taken over the ring, and they've essentially, in so many ways, said, Lord, um, you can have a seat over there. If I need you, if I need to hear from you, I'll let you know. That's a terrible mistake. I encourage you to think about that. Combine prayer and reading of God's word each time you go to him, unless you're in a hurry or something's critical, but I mean just when you have time. Because that's how he speaks to you, and he will open up your mind and talk to you. Absolutely. Folks, God, does he speak audibly? Absolutely he does. But as Dad's telling us, how do we even know to understand even the character of God if we do not read his word? Because God's not the only one that speaks, folks. There's an enemy also that speaks out there. Yes. And he loves to tell us all kinds of stuff. And many people go around claiming that that's the word of God because they've never gotten to know who God is in his word. Yes. So, Dad, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Folks, Absolutely. Uh, if you want to email me, uh, remnantcall at outlook.com, Dad, send me that paper, and I'll send it out. And uh, maybe I'll look about see if I can get it posted up there online for download. Um, That'd be and great. just. You know, there. this is the time. Dad, you've been telling me, and I'm so thankful, even through all my years of rebellion, Dad, I never forgot those times when you sat me down and told me, son, the Lord's coming soon. Dad, I believe that. And, you know, it's so interesting. When I was younger, people would say it. You know, Bubby, different people would say it. And uh, and, and, and it was there. But, Dad, some, it's different now. It's not something that's far off anymore. It's now, it's a right now thing. It's a different time we live in. And I, and I know I'm blessed because I have such a family that loves the Lord and, and grandparents. And, you know, I've, I've been blessed from multi-generational. But everybody, even, you know, talking to my own grandma, they tell you it's different now. It's not the same. Yeah. We've changed. The Lord is now coming. It's not something in the future. It is something that is going to happen, but there are tough times coming, and God is going to get us through. Dad, I appreciate everything for that tonight, and folks, please, please, please get in your prayer closet, get into the Word, and start asking God, Amen. what would he have you to do? What would he have yes. you to do? Absolutely. Amen. Dad, I love you, and I will talk love to you, you soon. Too. And folks, this is Brother Frank and Brother Frank from the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom.